I will follow you into the dark. I, I love that because how many times do we feel like we're walking into the dark of the unknown of what's, what's the future hold? And isn't it good to know that we can follow our heavenly savior, our, 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 our Lord and savior right into whatever he has for us. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. It's great to have you online. And uh, hey, it feels pretty good under here. I, I gotta be honest with you. Every, every young preacher, when they get started out, has these dreams of one day doing like a big tent revival. And uh, this is the close I'll probably ever get this summer. And so this has been fun. And, and uh, I've always loved the line from, there's this old gospel song that I only know because my wife loves the Gaithers. Um, he, they say, uh, pretty soon, I started out preaching to no one. And pretty soon, a crowd started gathering and I preached the gospel at the corner of New Hope Road. And, uh, and, and just, just to see you guys starting to work your way back here and be here is good to be here. And it's not nearly as hot as they said it was gonna be. I do have this fan blowing on me. If it messes my hair up during the service, let me know. And uh, I'll, uh, come on, smile, everybody. Come on. It's good to be with you all this morning. Hey, you know what? Um, Got, got in an argument this week with some people. Anybody do that? You know, I got in some arguments and, uh, and this was a big argument we were having. Um, what is the best candy bar? I mean, we were really fighting over this. I mean, this is important stuff, right? What is the best candy bar? I'm, I'm obviously joking, okay? In a season like this, if you said you got in an argument, oh yeah, I bet. Oh my goodness, right? Oh, right? But we were talking about this. What, what would you put in your top five candy bars? What would you do, kids, kids, come on, help me out. Somebody, what would you put in the top? Twix, what? Milky Way, Snickers, what did I get here? Crackle, okay. Some of you are making up candy bar names. That's not, Three Musketeers with, with conviction. Butterfinger, all right, so, so here's what I did. I pulled out my top, my top eight because you know we've been going with eight priorities, okay? So if I had to go on my priorities, these, these would be mine. And so I'm gonna pull them out and see if I get you at all. Okay, we'll start here. How many of you, how many of you, I'll down that three musketeer right now if you ask me to, right? There it is, okay, so we got musketeers. Now, now the staff had a little bit of an argument. Is Reese's peanut butter cup a candy bar? I say no. Okay, it's a cup. It's not Reese's peanut butter bar. It's Reese's peanut butter cup. Mike Nice said to me, I work in a grocery store and when I put out the bars, Reese's peanut butter cup goes under candy bars. I said, oh, that's a tough, that's a tough argument. I can't, I gotta be honest with you, that's pretty good. But I've left cup out because I put it in the peppermint category, all right? Peppermint patties, I put it in that. So I'm just going bars here. How many of you go here? Oh, right, right, Twix, that's a good one. That's a good one, all right. Um, Almond Joy Church. See, what's nice about this is there's two little goodnesses in here, right? You finish the one up, some of you are like, oh, gross. Look at, look at the opinions are coming across online. I feel you, I feel you too. Um, how many of you are kind of just keep it simple, stupid, and you just, you'll, just, you'll just pull out this guy and you'll throw that in some ice cream this afternoon and God is still on the throne? It's okay to be happy during COVID, folks. Come on, come on, um, 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 come on, come on. I even got the double pack. You should have seen the guy at Wawa when I was buying all these. He's looking at me like, I said, it's been a tough year, man. It's been a tough year. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so we got that. We got, we got this. Come on, this has got to be in your list, right? You like a Twix? I mean, oh, I already pulled that out. Some of you, that's why you were so disappointed when I pulled it out. Anybody do this one? A Milky Way? Eh, not as much. All right, am I speaking to anybody this morning? All right, all right, uh, what else do I got? Uh, oh, last one, and I'm gonna call this the number one. You disagree with me? Some of you disagree? Some are clapping, some disagree. Well, we gotta go with this one because this is the only one that satisfies you. Am I right? I mean, at least give them credit. They got the best marketing campaign. Snickers really satisfies you. And I had some fun. I went back and saw some 1985, 88 commercials about Snickers. I mean, young people, you have no idea if you didn't live the 80s, 
I lived the greatest, greatest decade of all time. I mean, we, we had ourselves, even, you even still use our music, okay? We had it so made. We gathered together and watched the space shuttle. We put on our Michael Jackson beat it jackets. We were all that, okay? Um, but, but one of the things I watched with our Snickers candy bars was moms are on TV. Think about how this would date. You know, my kids just get so hungry during the afternoon and I wanna give them a great snack that fills them up, so I give them a Snickers bar. I'm like, if you played that in 2020, people are like, shame on you, you know? It's not, I mean, I'm like, I'm a college student, I'm up late at night, and I need something to hold me over, so I get a Snickers bar, it satisfies. Just hilarious, I encourage you, have an afternoon of fun. Candy bars. He said, Chris was on vacation too long. I feel bad for him. You know, this is the right bar. This is the best, and I've got three articles to back it up. No, no, I work at a crunch bar store, and they will tell you this is the best one. In fact, I have three incredibly well-educated people saying this is the best one. Uh, nope, it's Kit Kat. And I'll tell you what, if you even make me wear anything, live anything, open anything that's not a Kit Kat, I will not do it. Well, <laughs> excuse me, I'm a Milky Way person and I know at least seven other people who are Milky Way people and we have this to back it up. Does this sound like your life right now? And, and it's wearing, isn't it? It's like, oh, I... I, I, how long, Lord, how long, how long are we gonna live in this much negativity? And, and, and how can I prioritize what's really important when everybody's got a different opinion and are adamant about that opinion? Is there anything wrong with having opinions? I hope not, or I'm gonna be out of things to talk about. I have an opinion just like you. But this is a season, we've been talking as a church where we're trying to focus on what the Lord would have for us. We started out the series by saying, I, 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 I don't wanna waste this trial, okay? I don't wanna take 2020 and blow it by refusing to accept that God is in control. He knew 2020 was gonna happen to this church and many other churches. He knew the body of Christ was gonna go through this and he wants me to grow through this. And I'll tell you what, it's been a refining process for me. There's been times where I gotta be flat out honest with you, I've had a broken heart over things that have happened. There's been times where I've been angry. There's been times when I've been frustrated. There's been times when I've been just flat disappointed. And there's been times where I've struggled with, will we ever? And there's been times where I've said, over my dead body. I think we've all wrestled with these emotions. But let's be careful we don't fight over candy bars and forget the real priorities of the Christian life in a season like this. Or you're gonna waste this trial and you're not gonna come out of it refined and strengthened and living out the priorities of Jesus. And so, what are some true north principles? What are some things that are really gonna satisfy? I mean, Snickers promises to satisfy, but come on, we know you'll eat one Snickers bar and you'll be looking for another before long. What will satisfy? What will have significance for me? What priorities do you want me to have, Jesus? And that's why we leverage the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes up to the mountain, he sits down, and whenever a rabbi sat down, it's listen up, okay? And he said, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna start out my kind of inaugural address on the mountainside with eight awesome characteristics of kingdom living, how to seek first the kingdom of God. And, and we called these our big rocks. And the illustration to start the series was we put small rocks in a jar and we couldn't get the big rocks in. But when we put the big rocks in first, oh, we were able to get so much more into our lives. And so as a staff, as a church, we've been saying, what are the big rocks? And for us, it's been getting the gospel out to people. And for many of you, we've been your anchor on Sunday mornings of a little bit of a normalcy in a very crazy time to go, I can turn on the church service either in my home, on the beach. I got some dads who go, I get my whole family in the car because we can't concentrate in the house. We get in the car, I lock the doors, we go for an hour drive and we listen to the sermons, okay? There's so many people that are looking for different ways to get the gospel. And that's what we're trying to give you out, good news and truth. And so our first rocks were be poor in spirit during this time. If you're humble during a crisis, God's never gonna be like, hey, way too much humility during that. 
You don't have to worry about that, okay? Humility is always a great big rock in your life and, 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 and something we can concentrate on. We learn from the Pharisee and the publican. Now, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. No, no, humility. Second was blessed are those who mourn. Hey, it's okay to be sad about some of the things we've lost. We've lost a lot, let's not be honest. We've gained a lot of neat things. I mean, God is blessing the socks off of First Baptist Church, I gotta tell you, and the amazing stories of, of reconciliation and restoration. But hey, there's been some really sad things too. Some very difficult things. Some things that, if I could be perfectly honest, have broken my heart. But blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, blessed are those who mourn, because they trust that God is gonna use this for his good, and they hold that as a priority in their life, and they speak trust. Blessed are the meek. Pastor John did a great job last week, and he said, hey, meekness is not meanness, okay? Whenever we're focused on another person more than ourselves, we're living out the gospel, and we have a big rock in our life. We don't have to stress, God, did I not handle that well? No, I showed meekness. And today, it's hunger and thirst for, anybody know? Righteousness, okay, a very well-educated crowd. It's righteousness, Chris. Please, Chris, you're not even challenging. This is the AP attitudes. You, you should have them memorized. Well, do you have them memorized? I agree, you should. But do you? You will after this series, okay? So if you're attending, you will. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst, let's go to the text, for righteousness, for they will be, like a Snickers bar, satisfied. Wow. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, if you're a young person, when you hear the word righteousness, you often check out. This is the part where the pastor talks about words I don't even associate with, okay? Nobody's like, hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm trying to live out righteousness. You know, we don't normally talk that way. So what is this righteousness that Jesus says, happy is the life, blessed is the life who hungers. What are you hungering for right now? Snickers bar, uh, a Tic Tac, uh, Twix, what? Steak, what are you thirsting for? I mean, when I think about hunger and thirst, I think about especially my boys at around 11.30 at night. It is to the fridge. Oh, we have nothing. Only Wawa can satisfy at this hour. I mean, we hunger and thirst, so we understand wanting something, longing for something. Jesus says, you will be blessed during a season of crisis, during a season of blessing, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that is gonna satisfy you during this time. Do you have any statements like, I would be just be satisfied if? Do you have any statements like that in your life? Jesus says the only one that's really gonna answer that one is if you're satisfied for righteousness. But can we, can we jump into seminary for just a second and talk about the word righteousness? Because it's a big word, okay? There's a lot of implications to it. There's something that is often referred to as imputed righteousness, okay? This is righteousness that comes at the moment of justification when you are declared righteous by a holy God because of your act of accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Now keep in mind, this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. So we don't have the entire New Testament written at this time, okay? So they can't leverage all those verses or understand that. Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom, right? And a new understanding of that kingdom. And, and, and as he works through what he it says are the characteristics of kingdom dwellers. Righteousness is one of them. But keep in mind also that in just um, understanding interpretation or what's called hermeneutics, the book of Matthew, one of the best things to do to declare what kind of righteousness he's speaking about is to receive and refer to where does Matthew use it in other places. And you'll find that Matthew often refers, actually primarily refers to righteousness as not the declared imputed righteousness necessarily, although you don't wanna exclude it, but personal fidelity to God, loyalty to God. This is the point. A desire to obey your heavenly father and do what he wants you to do. That pursuit of righteousness. Theologians will call it the sanctification process where we grow in our Christ likeness, okay? So I think a good working definition that can include both aspects of that, not only educationally, not only a, for, like a, a, more, a more thorough definition, but a working definition for us is righteousness is the idea because I believe it can, we can work both into where we're at. Righteousness is this. I, I came up with this. Being right with God, okay, I'm right with God when I know him as my savior. I am positionally a child of God. I have been clothed with righteousness of Jesus Christ, okay? Being right with God, 
but being right before God as well. Here's the idea. It's not just that I'm right with God as a child of God, but the way I'm behaving right now, both externally before you and internally in my mind and thoughts, are right before God. He would look at those and go, that's right. That's a right attitude, Chris. Your actions are actually matching your thoughts. And I, and I see that. And I thought, wow, I wanna be like David. As the deer panteth for water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I just wanna be in his house. And I believe anybody who gathered today under the tent certainly wanted, whoever got online with us today certainly wants to long to be with God and pursue righteousness, holiness before him, and to see it prevail. Well, why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't you want righteousness? Well, I know why. Because I'd like to fit in at school a little bit, Chris. All right? Well, because I'd like to have a little fun with my life. My goodness, the Bible just tells me what I can't do. Well, you know, technically I should do that, but you know how everyone is. I mean, why wouldn't we want to pursue righteousness? And, and, and I was stepping back in my own devotional life and going, Chris, why don't you wanna pursue righteousness sometimes? Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you hunger for that and thirst for that? Because I hunger and thirst for something else. What would you say is the greatest enemy to the pursuit of righteousness before God, being right before God? Living a life that he would say, yeah, that's, that's my boy, that's my girl. I would argue the greatest threat to righteousness is a hunger and thirst for self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. What's self-righteousness? Well, righteousness is God's way is best. Self-righteousness is my way is best. My opinion is right. My way of doing things is correct. And then enforcing it on other people, demanding it of other people, and shaming other people when they don't. Has anybody seen any self-righteousness recently? I would say at epic levels, at any other time period I've been a pastor, watching the self-righteousness that is occurring in our society. And I think this is great for us as a church to go, hey, let's not fall into this trap of having a rift factor develop in our life. What's that? I'm calling a rift factor something that exists when there is a rift between how we long to live and how we're called to live. When there is a gap between how we long to live, oh, I just wanna say this, but I know I shouldn't. Oh, if only I could do that with her, but I know I'm not allowed. If I could leave this guy and not have to deal with the shame of it all, I how we long to live and how we're called to live. Folks, the greatest threat to a hunger and thirst for righteousness is a hunger and thirst for self-righteousness. My way, I wanna do it on my terms. How, how do you, I know? How do I know if I'm a self-righteous person, Chris? How do I know? I was looking at a, a couple different things and I started to use a bunch of different aspects to, um, to develop these characteristics. As, as a preacher, I, I like to say I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. And uh, one of the things I like to do is get a, a few different thoughts from people I respect on what self-righteousness looks like and then try to develop it into what I see. And so this was adapted from that in my study. Self-righteous people repel people. They're repellent. Um, their opinions are brash, rude at times, and people kind of just go, wow, wow, you, you clearly have some issues going on and I'm gonna, they push people away often more than, people aren't necessarily gravitated to them. They're a little more nervous in their presence. Uh, Self-righteous people lack compassion. Uh, Self-righteous, the characteristic would say, um, I don't care what anybody else says. You know, like, like, well, yeah, but you gotta think about those people. No, I don't. No, I don't. You do. I don't. That, that's a self-righteous attitude. Um, parade good behavior. You know, like do one thing, but then only post the good thing you were doing online kind of thing, you know? Like uh, totally be something, I only want you to see good behavior, right? Um, they point out other people's flaws where people are failing. Well, you said you were doing this and I saw that. They, they love to point out other people making mistakes. Um, Self-righteous people justify their positions. 
You know, well, this agrees with me, so I'll go with it. You know, the confirmation bias that you're seeing a lot right now? I, got an, I guarantee you, you've never reposted an article you disagree with right now. Check this out. You know, you, you just, we want articles that agree with what we say. Um, we behave entitled when we get self-righteous. Like, I deserve this. I, 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 I should have this. We become the authority on subjects. When, when we get real self-righteous, we can become the authority and try to be the authority. And then self-righteous people are often quick to anger because they're having trouble controlling uh, the people around them and the opinions of other people, and they become quick to anger. And, and I want you to see that list that's kind of compiled. You can argue with it. It's a person's list. It's not the Bible. But I want to ask you if any of that's showing up in your life in a season like this. And if it is, take heed. There is a bigger priority of righteousness on our lives right now than self-righteousness. And we can shine like lights if we hunger and thirst for that. So, with that said, what parable can we throw alongside that today? A parable literally means to cast alongside. What story can we cast along this to illustrate that it's better to pursue righteousness instead of unrighteousness? Well, we're gonna go with the parable of the prodigal sons. You say, no, it's the prodigal son. Well, for today's sake, I'm gonna call it the parable of the prodigal sons because I believe both pursued a reckless pursuit of hungering and thirsting for self-righteousness. And I think we can learn from it. It's one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's gotta be in your top five parables, folks. It's gotta be, right? Because it's such an incredible story and I don't believe you can listen to it and not walk away impacted unless you don't wanna listen to it because it's such a beautiful illustration of how our heavenly father treats us and it's such an accurate illustration of how many of us are. And so join me today on our short study of the parable of the prodigal son, sons, and let's look at the danger of self-righteousness because I see one son who refused to stay and one son who refused to come. Pray with me and then parable of the prodigal son. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is good to be in the house, oh, in the tent of the Lord this morning. It's good to gather here, Lord, and thank you for um, being out here. We think of our brothers and sisters, our missionaries on the field who meet in tents every Sunday in the Dominican with crazy temperatures, and, and Lord, it just makes us grateful that this is kind of an anomaly for us, but it, it gives us a chance to feel what it's like to, to do some of the things that we take for granted and, and some of the things that many people are doing all the time. <laughs> in Africa and Asia and in different parts where they're gathered outside, even and I'm probably without a tent. And so Lord, we're out here. We're gonna sit under the word of God and we're gonna be blessed by this, encouraged by this. And Lord, I pray we walk out of here with a new priority during this season and challenge our, our inner man just as much as what we're doing on the outside during a time like this. And may we seek the thing that truly, truly satisfies in your name, amen. Okay, here's the story. There's two sons, all right? And, and Jesus gathers them around and says this. There is a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. I want my inheritance. I want it now. And he divided up his property, the father did, between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. It's going, and he took a journey far away to a far, far country. And there he squandered his property, his father gave him on reckless living. Reckless living. Now, I'm gonna assume most of you know this story, but step back for a second and listen to what we just heard. We have a son who said, give me my share. Now, I know none of you were probably studying up in your ancient Mediterranean history and, and what is recorded, but they do not have another illustration in all of ancient literature of a young man demanding his inheritance before his father died. It's almost as if the son's saying, give me my share and, and you won't die already and I want it. I mean, this is unbelievable. Now, what would the share of the younger son be? Approximately a third, we believe, for the older son would have received a double portion. So he's like, I want this. And then he gathered it up 
Okay, now please understand, young people, when you hear he got from his dad, he probably didn't get cash money, okay? We probably got cattle involved. You're like, I want a cattle. Well, that would have been a lot of money. That would have been like a work engine, okay? That would be like dad giving you the F-150, you know, or whatever, and, and you got this. And he took all this and he gathered up all he had and he took it to a faraway country, which many would argue is most likely a Gentile country, almost like a shove it in your face, dad. I'm leaving this Jewish culture and I'm going far away. And he squandered it all. Squandered his property, the property his father gave him. One author writes, he desired his father's stuff more than his father's heart. How entitled, how callous, how ungrateful for what his father had. But the story quickly turns, doesn't it? And when he had spent everything, a severe famine in that country came and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out as one of the citizens of that country. Sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Young people, let me let, hear this, hear this. Sin's gonna always do three things in your life, okay? Find any veteran Christian and they'll tell you this. Sin is gonna take you farther than you wanted to go, okay? I have sat down with many teenage girls that sin has taken them farther than they wanted to go. One with a bust lip because he was just so cute but punched her in the mouth when she wouldn't deliver what he wanted. Sin will take you farther than you wanna go, all right? Sin will do a second thing. It will make you stay longer than you wanted to stay. Oh, I shouldn't have been there. I knew I shouldn't have been. Sin will make you stay longer than you wanted to stay. And here's the third thing. It's gonna make you pay more than you wanted to pay. I have been to, through too many marriage counseling sessions. I have been through too many, too many unnecessary deaths. I have been through a lot of trials and tribulations I have been through a lot of substance recovery with people. Sin will make you pay more than you wanted to pay. This is exactly where this young man finds him, himself, and he's at rock bottom. Maybe you're listening today, or maybe you're listening months from now, and you're sitting in your car listening, or you're sitting on your couch, or you're sitting right in this tent, and you've been to a rock bottom spot in your life. And he began to be in need and he can't deliver anymore. He, he hired himself out, unthinkable for a young Jewish man, to hire himself out to a pig, a pig caretaker, an unclean animal in the Jewish culture. If you're, if you're a Jew listening to this, as Jesus is sharing the story, you're like, oh, oh my word, this kid is a fool. And he longed to be fed by pigs or, or pig pods and no one would give him anything. Rock bottom is the place one has reached when there is nothing left to lose. That terminology came from Alcoholics Anonymous, rock bottom. When you hit a spot where you got nothing left to lose, you've lost everything. You've lost your marriage, you've lost your kids, you've lost your respect, you lost your job, and they call it that spot where there ain't nothing left. You're there, you're there. Have you ever hit rock bottom? Have you ever lived a prodigal life and found rock bottom? You know, I was asking the Lord for an illustration for rock bottom and I kept feeling prompted to go, well, share your own, Chris. Don't really wanna share my own, but share your own. So I'll be transparent before you. I wasn't really a public prodigal. I was a church kid. My dad was a deacon, chairman of the board, everything like that right here at this church. I grew up on this church property basically, and I knew how to behave at church. I knew what to do, what to say, and every once in a while I get exposed with a bad attitude or two. But I internally was a prodigal. I wasn't a public prodigal, but I was definitely a private prodigal. Here's what I mean. I could say one thing, but I was thinking another thing. I could say that's the right way to do it, but. I didn't really wanna do it. I, I, I knew how to act, but I was concealing a lot of things. 
You know, when self-righteousness is strong, it's usually a cover-up for a lot of unrighteousness inside. We find it funny. We'll show something at church and like a commercial will come on during a Super Bowl and somebody will kiss and the teens all go, oh my gosh, how can you show that at church? And our youth pastor's like, please, we know what movies you guys watch. Self-righteousness, you know, like accusing the church of something that they're doing at home. I don't think the church should have that. And then we, you have it at the house, you know. And, 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 and these spots in my own life where I was publicly saying things, but privately wasn't. And I came to a season in my life, my sophomore year on the top bunk at Lancaster Bible College in Espen Shade Hall, tears coming down my face because I had developed something called mono and was out for the basketball season, which that was my God idol, if you will, at that time period of my life. <laughs> and I had just been rejected from a ministry team that I was dying to get on for that summer. And I had tears coming down my face. And one of the reasons I got rejected for that ministry team was because I was blowing my testimony as an athlete at the school. In fact, another Bible college had to write our college and share that number 21 has a, a bad attitude on the court. It's like, that's my number. And, and going through that season of my life and, and being in tears about it, um, I had realized that publicly I was a Christian kid, but privately I had a prodigal heart. You might even be there today. Publicly, you've been saying the right things during COVID. You've been talking to people the right way, but privately, you've had a prodigal heart. You don't, and, and to me, that's wasting this trial because you might as well be authentic because God knows how you truly feel. And you might be saying one thing, but inwardly, you're going, and I hate that, and I'm so mad, I'm, I'm frustrated, and, and, and it's like, Lord, I don't wanna waste this and, and be something publicly and not privately, Lord. So show me where my prodigal heart was. And that's what he did for me at college that day. He kind of showed me, exposed some things. That yeah, yeah, publicly, yeah, but privately, Chris, your, your heart has prodigal. But he came to himself. And that's the road back. If you find yourself in a disappointing, discouraging time in your life, which many of us feel that way right now, the best way back is to turn around what the word repent means, to turn around. And when he came to himself, have you ever had those wow moments? Look, I have got to get back to this, okay? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perishing with hunger? I'm gonna arise and go to my father and I'm gonna say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. He's talking to himself, he's preparing the speech. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. He's ready to eat crow. Have you ever heard that phrase? Where you've taken a public strong stance and it's come back and bitten you and you have to recan it? So he got up and he came to his father. What was that walk like? All right, how's dad gonna react? I'll start with, go humble. Go the humble route. I'll say this. Okay, the first thing I'll do when I see him is, oh, my brother, what's he gonna be like? I don't know what's going through his head, okay? But he's walking towards his father. He's headed home. And I love this next sentence. For anybody who feels, knowing that the, the father is representing our heavenly father, for anybody who feels like they've let the Lord down in their life at ever a time, this, this line is the greatest line ever. This, but while he was a long way off, you know what that tells me? <laughs> when this father was working and stuff, he kept checking the horizon. Is he coming? Is it today? I mean, he kept checking the horizon. And, and while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he braced him and he kissed him. Just goes running at him. And, and, a, and in that culture, with a man that seems to have the property he had, for him to be running already is out of characteristic. And he's sprinting towards him. If you're the son and you're going, okay, I'll say this, oh, there's dad. How many of us would expect, oh, <laughs> look who's coming back, sweetheart. How many of us would expect that? Oh, this'll be good. 
Hey, learn your lesson, buddy. Huh? See, you have no shoes, you smell. How many of us would expect that, right? How much of that story plays out? Boy, I tell you what, as a father, myself, this one always penetrates my heart. I have one dad say to me, Chris, I feel like I'm a prodigal father sometimes. While he was still a long way off, he ran and he hugged him and he embraced him. If you're the son walking in apprehension and you see dad burning it towards you, how cool, how cool. <gasps> if, if you, I can't right now, but if you came to church and I did that for you, some of you go, that is the creepiest pastor in the world. We're never going back, okay? And, and, and then some of you be like, I felt so welcomed and I appreciate it. Hey! And he goes and he hugs him. He didn't need it, I told you so, but the son started up. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I love that. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you, Dad. That's the repentant heart, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Restoration, folks, begins with repentance. But before the son could finish, his father starts yelling out orders. Hey, 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 quickly, bring me my best robe. His father's, his father's cleanliness, despite his pig-smelling, sinful, living clothes. I gotta spray something so they, my parents don't smell what I'm wearing or what I did or, or what I smoked or what I did. He, he, he's got it all over him. And his dad goes, go get my robe. Put it on my boy. And, and then he said, and get my ring. Get, get, and, and put it on him. It, it, a father in that time period, that is his signet ring. His, his authority is back. This kid's a position is back. He is welcome home. Get some shoes on his feet. Okay, only those who were the lowest on the totem pole in the house wouldn't have shoes on. That's my boy, get some shoes on his feet. I mean, oh my goodness, if I can try to make this 21st century, yo, get this kid a shower in a suit. Over there's the Mustang GT, buddy. Okay, and get some Air Jordans on his feet. I mean, this dad is hooking him up. And then he went a step further. He said, bring the fattened calf that we use for celebration and let us eat it and celebrate it. For this, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Dun, 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 dun. The fattened calf, I mean, still in Semitic circles, they will call it the sacrifice of the threshold where they do a sacrifice by killing an animal that's meant for sacrifice to atone for the sins of someone who is on a journey. They're, they're throwing a party. They're, they're offering forgiveness sacrifices. The, the sun is back, hallelujah, on the street. And I see it. Real satisfaction is not meant and not found in self-righteousness, young people I know, you're probably young, I wanna be rich, I wanna be successful, I wanna have a billion dollars when I retire, shuffleboard, carnival cruises, whatever. I want it all, God, that's, that's my pursuit in life. But that is not a pursuit that will satisfy. You'll always keep coming up short. Now, one more click. Let me see one more image. You're always not gonna have enough images. One more video. You're always gonna not have enough videos. One more girl, you're never gonna have enough girls. One, one, one more guy, you're never gonna have enough. It's never gonna satisfy. It's the righteousness of God that is going to bring satisfaction. Because only real satisfaction comes when we're right with God and we're right before God. Boy, I can't help but watch the Father's reaction and wanna grow in grace Scripture tells us to grow in grace. Do you know what it says next? But grow in grace and the knowledge of your father. The better you know your heavenly father, the better you'll grow towards righteousness. And you'll grow in grace. The better you know him. And what did he model for us? A life of grace. Let's start wrapping up the story. There's an older brother who sees this activity going on. Now the older brother's in the field and he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. Dad's putting on the jig, all right? Happy dance, everything. And he called one of his servants and he asked him, what, what's going on? What, 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 what is going on here? And the servant said to him, your brother's come home. 
and your father has killed the fattened calf. <laughs> I mean, we've been fattening that thing up. Celebration time. Because he's received him safe and sound. Your brother's back. He's safe. It's good. Dad, your dad is pumped. And you know how it goes. But the brother was angry and refused to go in. Lord knows everything he was thinking, but how many of you can really blame him? We're dancing? Do you understand what that punk did to mom? Do you understand what he did in our lives? You, you, did you understand how much dad cried? You know how much extra work I had to do because that loser went off and had himself a time? Hey, I'm doing everything mom and dad asked and this punk gets a, a fattened calf? Are you kidding me? I mean, you can almost associate with it. What about his arrogance? How about the way he treated dad? How dare he ask for dad's money before dad's dead? Does he even care who dad is? I mean, this guy's sick, he's sick. I mean, people like that need to be taught a lesson. People like that need to pay. I mean, where's the, where are you at? Well, now you're back. I mean, where is that, dad? You're just gonna let him run all over you and show him all this grace? Well, I'll tell you what. If that's the way you're gonna be, I'm not coming into the party. And now we got a second son living just as recklessly as the first son. He's angry and he's outside the celebration. You understand a father throwing a celebration that big, the whole town's gonna be there at that time period. Do you understand what it looks like for a father to have one of his sons standing outside in obstinance? I will not go into my dad's stupid party. And the word gets out that he's not coming in. And he's shaming his father. This would be a gossip story that would fly through the town. The brother's back, but the older brother's out there. He is hot. And just like the father came running to the son who ran from him, he walks out and sits down next to the son who won't come to him. His father came out and entreated him. Bud, the word means to plead kinda. Bud, bud, what's going on? Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Really, buddy, never, right? You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, how does he know that? Is it possibly because that's what the older brother would have done if he could? It's what he longs to do, but he does what he's supposed to do. I mean, why, why does he draw that conclusion? Jesus never gave us any indication there were prostitutes involved. The older brother went there right away. You kill the fattened calf for that kid? That boy? He's hit rock bottom. He is literally blowing up and screaming at his father in front of this party outside the celebration. And not only that, if you do a little research, you'll find that in treating your father with the word look is one of the most disrespectful things you could do in that culture. Even the prodigal son, when he returned, he said, father, and gave him a word of respect where this son goes, look. It's like he's taking a position of authority. You're a bad father. Dad said, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Don't you want to raise your hand? Dad, let me help you out. Shut up, punk, and get in the celebration. Let me help you out, Dad. Who, what do you, who do you think you are? It's my calf, not yours. I'll kill it before I want to kill it. Get in there. I'll see you earning anything. Get in there. Don't you want to help this father out a little bit? No, we don't. Because I wouldn't want a heavenly father like that. And I'm so glad my heavenly father's not like that. And is filled with grace. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had the self-righteous prodigal heart of the older brother. And how many times I've had the self-righteous prodigal heart of the younger brother. The prodigal sons. Let us learn this. Reckless. Reckless is the life that hungers and thirsts for self-righteousness. Young people, college students teenagers, even little kids, you're gonna wanna do the wrong thing sometimes. 
Look at me, kid. You, some, you are gonna wanna do the wrong thing. And, and the devil's gonna tell you, he's gonna whisper in your ear, he's gonna say, just do it. Nobody even knows. Just take it. Just do it. And you're gonna want to. Your whole life, you're gonna struggle with this. There's even a hymn your grandparents sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Okay? You're gonna feel it. But I wanna promise you something. There's nothing at the end of that road except rock bottom. And the world will tell you, no, 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 that's gonna bring satisfaction. There's nothing at the end of that road. Even anger with God. Maybe you've prayed for something and God didn't deliver and you hate him right now for it. Or maybe this virus has really stolen some things from you, a family member, your life, your job, and you're angry. And you're at a spot where you don't even wanna read a verse in the Bible because it makes you wanna throw up, but somehow you turn this message on. Somehow somebody made you listen or somehow you got this. And that heavenly father, even when you're running or even when you refuse to go in, if that's the way it's gonna be, is coming towards you. Are you gonna turn and go to him? There's nothing at the end of self-righteousness It'll never satisfy. Did you see the brothers in our characteristics? Let's sum this up. They pushed people away. The younger brother pushed his family away. The older brother was quite willing to push his younger brother away. They lack compassion. They care about the, did anybody care about dad's feelings in this whole story? Nope. They parade their good behavior. I never have failed you. I'm better. Thank goodness I'm not like that tax collector. They point out others' flaws out there with this reckless living. Uh, they justify their positions. Look, dad. They behave entitled. Give me my inheritance. They become the authority. You killed a fattened calf for him? Do you even understand how the atonement process works, dad? They're quick to anger. See, father, the father... Is the real source of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Lord, may I hunger, make it your prayer, for righteousness more than I thirst for self righteousness. Boy, I don't know about you, but I see myself in both sons sometimes but I desperately want to be like the father. The place of real satisfaction. Being right with God and being right before God. Are you right with God? Have you come to a point in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Have you said, I've sinned against heaven and before you, father. I'm unworthy to be called your child, but I want you to be my savior. Folks, he's gonna come running. but are you right before God? Is the person you're putting out publicly, oh, you look good. But if you ask the Lord, you have a prodigal heart. That same heavenly father will come and sit down next to you and go, I know. You wanna deal with it? Yeah, all right, let's deal with it. I wanna come out of this trial. I wanna come out of this season of life and I wanna be different. So I look in the mirror and I say, Chris, where can you pursue righteousness? If I'm gonna do the mirror principle and say, I'm gonna look in the mirror and not walk away and not change, then where can I pursue righteousness? And, and here's, here's a phrase that I'm gonna leave with you, okay? And it's kinda helped me and the daily grind to do the things. And kids, you can memorize this one too, adults, teenagers, senior saints. It's not mine. I don't get credit for it, but it's, it's stuck with me only because of two words, and here, here it is. Do the next hard right thing, okay, over the next easy wrong thing. Here's the two words I want to step out to you. The next hard right thing. I find the right thing to do is usually the thing that's hard for me to do, okay? Uh, this is gonna take extra patience, extra grace, extra love, extra self-control, this is gonna be hard. But it's so easy to do the wrong thing. I pray you make this a season of God, I'm gonna do the hard thing 
Even if I don't agree with what I'm gonna have to do sometimes, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna trust that you're in control. I wrote down these eight priorities in my journal. I just told you I'd share them at the end of each journal with you. Here they are. I wanna weigh these in the balance. Remember greater than, less than? Remember greater than, less than? Here they are. Lord, may I value obedience over indulgence. Okay, sometime you're gonna get challenged with that this week. To indulge into something, I'm gonna get this versus obedience, okay? I wanna value wisdom over recklessness, all right? Okay, I, I wanna put that as a greater than in my life. Gratitude greater than entitlement. Uh, I, I find I'm surrounded by a lot of negative energy from people and in conversations, and I'm trying to be a voice of positivity, and it's usually pretty well received right now. You, I can't believe this, I can't believe this, I can't believe, yeah, but this, oh, that's great. You know, it's like people need that. Be the offset for them, okay? Um, submission over stubbornness, all right? Uh, I, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna follow the Lord in that. Relationship over my position. I, I, I don't wanna lose a relationship or an opportunity to share in Christ with someone because they don't necessarily agree with me on everything. Um, I'm called to love people that are possibly headed to hell and need a savior, not push them away with my opinion. I wanna try to coach them through why I believe what I believe, and if they reject me, that's not on me. Uh, I'm doing my best. Grace over judgment. If there's ever a time to show people grace, it's right now. It's like people try to be self-righteous. They're not doing that right. They're not, the goalpost moves every week, right, on what's right or wrong right now. This is a great time to be the person of grace. Hey, look. I don't even know what to do right now. Okay, just show grace. Reconciliation over resentment and righteousness over self-righteousness. What would you put in your list of how to do the next hard right thing over the next easy wrong thing? As you leave this week, the rift factor exists where a rift is between how we long to live and how we're called to live. If you get a chance in your car, Apple iTunes or whatever, I'd like you to listen to two songs this week. And ask the Lord, is there any area in my life where I'm pretending to be one thing, but I've got a prodigal heart in the other? Could you listen to the song, Even When You're Running by Casting Crowns? Just put it on. Whether you like Casting Crowns or not, put it on. And Matthew West, The God Who Stays. Both songs are about the prodigal. Put them on and listen to them. And ask the Lord to deal with your heart in a time of prayer. And I believe it'll be your first step to doing the next hard right thing and cleaning up some stuff that you know is actually there. Heavenly Father, use this season of our life to reprioritize ourselves. Help us to not waste this trial. We're really being refined right now, God. I I know in my own life, I'm really being refined. There's things that have really frustrated me, God. And and I've been tempted to, to really do things that, or think things of people or other, that that really frustrate me that that I go there. But Lord, we're, we're not, perfect and we know we're going through a difficult season, but we want to persevere. And Lord, this is a time in our church history where we get a chance to kind of suck it up, buttercup, keep putting the rocks on the wall, Nehemiah, and persevere regardless of what it takes. And so Lord, use this season in our church's life to refine us and to grow us. But individually, may we pursue the big rocks and may this week be a week of doing the hard right thing versus the easy wrong thing. And thank you for the illustration of this father and the grace that he showed his sons despite their pursuit and hunger and thirst for self-righteousness, this image of righteousness. We pray all these things knowing you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.